the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Let's go the distance by keeping our distance. Nissan, innovation that excites. Well, we may all be a bit more grateful for green spaces and nature near our homes as a result of the lockdown over two kilometres. Our resident environmental expert, Dr Cara Gustenberg, has joined me now to talk about the importance of forestry in Ireland and where it needs to go. It's part of our down-to-earth slot today. OK, uh, you, you tell us first of all about this survey that you and your environmental UCD students are doing. Well, Ivan, the, the history of forestry in Ireland is is actually relatively in its infancy. I mean, you, you may know that in the 16 and 1700s, Ireland had a forest cover of around 80 percent, and then it was obliterated down to less than 1 percent by the, by the 1900s. So we're really just starting to grow this sector. And uh, one of the things we haven't really looked at uh, very enough, we could say, is people's opinions on, on what they want out of their forest. So that's what my UCD students are are trying to research at the moment. But uh, how do we compare with the rest of Europe? I mean, is this a factor of climate, the the wetter the climates and the soil topography and so on? No, we should be really good at growing trees because of our wet conditions and and mild uh, temperatures. Uh, The European average of forestry cover is 38%. And, you know, we once were around 80%, but of course, because our timber was overexploited when we were under English rule and and for a variety of other reasons, um, we have less than 1% of our native native forests remaining right now, um, but 11% in total cover. So that's uh, the productive Sitka spruce forest that you might be familiar with with too. So we you know we are growing. It's a, a kind of a good news story in that in the 1940s we had less than 1% of the country was forested and now we're back up to 11%. So it is growing. Uh, and the question now is do we grow it in a way that that benefits everybody? So it's no longer just about timber production, but it's also about public amenity and and other values that we need to look at too. Uh, speaking of history, who is this guy James Aitken? Well, I thought it was really interesting this week. Um, I was looking at uh, research coming out of the UK uh, on on the reconstruction pamphlets of 1944. What they were were pamphlets that were published in the final years of World War II, looking at how Ireland could organize their everyday life in in post-war Ireland. So it's not unlike the conversations that we need to have right now uh, post-coronavirus. And and so looking at at planning and how we develop cities, but there was a pamphlet pamphlet specifically on forestry written by James Aiken, who was a planner at the time. And he said, you know, we really post-war, we need to grow our forestry sector from what was 0.7% up to another 2 million acres. And he thought we would create 100,000 jobs in the process. So, you know, now is a good time to be talking about what kind of Ireland do we want uh, post-recovery right now. And forestry could really tick a lot of boxes with regards to uh, economics, employment, environment, and, and social amenities. And did he did he put forward the theory that more afforestation reduced landslides and flooding? Yeah, it's interesting when you when you read these pamphlets that a lot of the things that they were experts were talking about in 1944 are exactly the kind of things that we as environmentalists have been talking about in in recent years. So the fact that one of the benefits of forestry is that it does reduce erosion and flooding, that it it helps with water quality, and that's just one of many benefits that that forests can actually provide. 
Now, you say we're at 11% at the moment. That's 770,000 hectares. Um, what is the government objective? The, the government objective now is really ambitious, and this has been driven by the Climate Action Plan. So they have a target that we will have 18% co- uh, forestry cover by mid-century. So to achieve that, we would have to plant 22 million trees per year over the next two decades. And unfortunately, that's about 8,000 hectares a year. We, we're really fallen short of that. We're only planting about 6,000 hectares a year. So we have a major gap between our target and our ambition. And, and part of that is to address climate change uh, and what we're actually doing. And I think that is really the role that the research that's that we're doing at UCD right now can help to try and plug that gap and figure out how do we increase afforestation uh, while bringing everyone along with us so that it's the kind of forest that we all want. Well, back in the day when I was Minister for Forestry in the mid-90s, huge EU subsidies were made available to enhance planting. What's the current story? Can you get considerable grants? You used to get grants to plant and then a subsidy for so many years and it was topped up in disadvantaged areas. Yeah, this is the biggest surprise to me is that the subsidies in this industry are are quite big. So between 2015 and 2018, uh, 404 million euro was spent uh, in public money on grants for forestry. So that's equivalent to costing the state 17,000 euro per hectare uh, for timber that's worth about 20,000 euro per hectare. So heavily subsidized industry. Uh, this is going to you know about 25, 22,000 private forest owners since the 1980s. Um, several different schemes. Some are good. Some are, are looking at uh, specifically at agroforestry and native woodlands. So it, it's not all uh, Sitka spruce conifers like like a lot of people think. But it is a lot of money coming from taxpayers, and and I think this really raises questions on on giving taxpayers more say in how this money is spent. Right. I mean, um, you, you're against the, the the conifer trees, aren't you? Uh, I'm not. The Christmas trees, we call them that. Personally, I think that we need more of a balance. This is my own opinion that, you know, of course, we need to incentivize people to take up uh, forestry. And in order to do that, they have to be able to sell a product at the end. So they have to have a source of revenue. But if we're going to use taxpayer money, then we also need to look at some of the co-benefits like climate targets and biodiversity and water quality. And and even just the fact that people walking in nature and being in green space is a value. So the Icelandic Forest Service this week said we should all be going out into forests and hugging trees since we can't hug each other. So this idea of green prescriptions is something we need to, to start figuring in. I mean, the fact is that that while these subsidies exist, uh, farmers haven't been taking them up at the levels that, that we need to be taking them. So the financial incentive and, and the actual uptake of, of, of these grants, which we need to really resolve and figure out how you we see, solve this problem. I, 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 I find myself... Um kind of disagreeing with you on this point. You see, I, I walk around our farmer's home and, you know, at times of storm and I look at these mighty oak trees, beech trees, and you know what? They were planted at the start of the last century in the early 1900s. And they reached full maturity after about 100 years. Now, yeah. the difficulty is this. That, okay, maybe that's okay for a bit of wasteland uh, that's, you know, on the edge of a kind of brow or a cliff that isn't usable or anything. But anyone planting any sort of reasonable land has to go 
for the Sitka spruce and the other trees that you don't like simply because you won't get a payback in your lifetime. And even at that, it's a slow payback of 35 years. In other words, it's all very well, Cara, but I mean, like, even if you get the subsidies for a few years, you won't get a payback on it. Yeah, and that's a problem with our current system of paying back that we see forestry or we have historically, we don't, we're moving away from this now, but we've historically seen forestry as being all about creating a timber product at the end and not valuing the other benefits like climate targets, like water quality and biodiversity. So if farmers were being paid for those other things, and that is part of the cap reform that's in discussion right now, uh, then that payback period would be uh, maybe more amenable to them and 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 we wouldn't have to just see timber as a as a product. And to be honest, we don't have a lot of product options for Sitka spruce in Ireland. So that is another issue: is where is the demand for this product coming from? But the the point I'm making is this: that for private land, for commercial operators, that's the only thing that's viable on any economic model. Surely, therefore, it should be in public land. They go for the type of woodland that you want. Yeah, possibly. But it's interesting when you look at at why the few studies that have been done in Ireland and why farmers aren't taking up uh, the current forestry schemes, because they actually are quite lucrative, the the current forestry schemes. And dairy farmers, you would think, would be less likely to take these up. They're actually most likely to plant uh, forests because they see the the economic benefits, Um, but they they don't because the economic benefits of dairy are higher. And the least likely of all types of farming to take up forestry is beef, which we know is really struggling financially. And the reason they don't take it up is because they they don't want to change their lifestyle and culture and tradition. So there are there are reasons behind our behavior around forestry that are linked to culture and tradition that aren't picked up in these economic models and these grant schemes that would that we need to get into. So in conclusion, you're saying we're at a critical crossroads for Irish forestry. Absolutely. I mean, I think what we've seen is that the kind of generic monetary based forestry policy hasn't worked and it certainly won't work post COVID-19 when we don't have the money to fund these things. And, and you know, afforestation is a huge burden on taxpayers. So we need to start thinking about forestry po- policy, which takes into account all these social and cultural factors as well. And, and that's where this survey could really help. If people take forest- this survey at forestrysurvey.com, it could really help inform uh, these ideas. And anyone can take part in the survey? Yeah, and there is a uh, prize draw at the end for a 25 euro Tesco voucher for people who participate. So that's to try and encourage people to to take the survey and and help these students out who were supposed to be doing these surveys manually on the ground, but of course have had to go online because of uh, the coronavirus crisis. Uh, So anyone can take the survey and and we're really interested particularly in people from Wicklow and Kerry because those are very interesting counties with with respect to forestry. So uh, we encourage everyone to take it though. All right, the website is www.forestrysurvey.com and it's the UCD Forestry Survey 2020. My thanks to Dr. Cara Gustenberg, uh, banging a familiar drum about broadleaf trees there. Uh, my thanks indeed. Now- the Hard Shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Together, let's play our part by staying apart. Nissan, innovation that excites.